On the 25th of February, 1964, a 22-year-old Cassius Clay beat Sonny Liston in a remarkable upset to become the World Heavyweight Champion. That evening, he and three of his very famous friends, the King of Soul, Sam Cooke, NFL superstar, Jim Brown, and activist and political leader, Malcolm X, celebrated Cassius' win by spending the evening in Malcolm's motel room. One Night in Miami is a film based on the eponymous play that recounts a fictionalized version of the discussions had that night. This is a podcast episode based on the film. Welcome to Popcorn for Dinner. I'm Bankole Mokwede and I'm joined by my co-host. Yeah, Ure George Facho. Obiora. Are Malcolm X's glasses the most famous sunglasses ever? Or the most famous glasses ever? Um, they are definitely ooh. the most famous Ray-Bans. 100%. I don't think Danny Ray-Bans more famous than, than his Ray-Bans. What's this guy from SNL? Um, the Blues Brothers, so Belushi. I, because I take this podcast very seriously and I do my research, I made it Mount Rushmore of oh, like famous, famous glasses, right? So it's, I think it's Malcolm X's. I think you put Malcolm X's glasses anywhere and you know those are Malcolm X's glasses, right? Right, what, I think it's, right, you asked me sunglasses first and I was just like, anyway, carry yeah, on. But yeah, Malcolm X's glasses, Morpheus right. from Matrix, um, Tom Cruise from, Tom Cruise's Aviators from Top Gun. Right. So there's one more left. It could be Belushi's, uh, it could be the Blues Brothers. I don't know. That's what I'm I give sure. it to when I first heard really? sunglasses, that's boom. That's what I really thought straight away. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. What about Tony Montana? No, you don't Terminate- think of sunglasses. Terminator. That's a shout. That's a shout. Terminator's there. Terminator's there. Yeah, maybe Terminator. I mean, I guess ugh, I don't like the real answer is there, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to. Talk, I don't want to na- mention his name ever on this podcast. But um. No, I'm not going to say his name. Say his name then, bleep it out. <laughs> oh, there's... You can say... I'm, I'm bleeping that as well. I'm bleeping that as well. <laughs> there's one more that we haven't talked about though. Um, so, do you know the guy from CSI Miami? David Caruso's character. Yeah, when he was walking away from the car with like the... Yeah, so there's... there's I think the, the top three are settled. I think it's Malcolm X's Ray-Band, Morpheus, and then the aviators from Top Gun. Then I think the last spot might be Morpheus. I think yeah. No, you cannot argue Morpheus. Morpheus's glasses. Once anybody sees it, you know those are Morpheus's glasses. Yeah, it was quite strange. Kind of like just hangs yeah, on it's you. Circular. Just just like, it was so cool, man. Come on. Anyways, <laughs> what do you think about this movie, Regina King's One Night in Miami? So this is a directorial debut. It's basically a film ad- adaptation of a play, a stage mm-hmm. play. Just got that mm-hmm. right. Obviously, as you kind of mentioned earlier on, you've got these four, you know, icons of black culture all in the same vicinity. And they're talking about, you know, kind of relating themselves to you know, the whole aspect of race and black people in America and, the, you know, economic and political struggle in America. And how can, you know, what are they doing to further and contribute to this fight individually? And what ways mm-hmm. and methods are they going about it? But, um... I really liked the movie. I really liked the dialogue. I really liked the the way things... So I think it's kind of where Regina King kind of comes in and how she directed certain aspects of the movie and how you know the camera just moved from one aspect to the other mm-hmm. and kept stuff in focus. I think I really enjoyed it because like, it's a play. It's in one... The majority of the film is taking it's place in one in, room. Yeah. It's in one yeah. room. 
So, I mean, how can you make that? I don't want to rehash what I've been saying for like the past 50 podcasts, but, you know, <laughs> conversations, how can you make them interesting? You've got four people with, you know, their own opinions and four egos as well in one place. How are they feeding up each other? How are they relating to each other? And yeah, I really, I really liked this fictional tale on how are you contributing to the black cause? Mm. You're, a, I don't, let me not say sellouts, but you know, you you're only doing this for, you know, to get the approval of the white man, mm. and for the white paper. Bit of a ramble, but yeah, I've really enjoyed. I really because it's not like my prototypical type of movie, but it's I really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Well, that's my job right here. I'm I'm trying to bring you up, taking me out of my comfort zone, isn't it? Still not watching the father, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure how you were gonna. Because obviously I watched this quite a while ago. I think I mentioned it on our first ever podcast and I was very interested to watch it and I liked it. But I wasn't sure how you were going to receive this movie because I, um, and I think I told you like, look, if you don't like it, say you don't like it because it makes for a good good conversation. Um, like I said, this movie happens on the night that Ali beats Sonny Liston surprisingly to become the world heavyweight champion. And I was watching that scene at the end of the fight. I was just like, I really want to experience like that, something like that. Like just be... But not, I want to be there just when my friend is winning something. Like, it just, it just seemed so nice and so wholesome. And everybody was so happy. I don't want to do it personally because it looks like it involves so much stress. And I, I don't want to do that. But I, all my friends are listening. Can I don't know, go win something so I can be there to wow. cheer you on and we, we can all celebrate. That's, go, do I, I something, go do something useful with your lives. You well, not useful, this. just win. Win something. Just like something people. that a tangible thing that we can celebrate it's just like, look at how when, look at how when you win your when you win your Oscar in it so oh, Jesus I'm bleeping that um Rassi <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would yeah Rassi means it means I was in a movie so yeah okay before we talk about the central argument in the film and the central discussion of the film neither you nor I has seen Malcolm X right um it's definitely on the list for 2021 I'm gonna watch it this year but I think just as black consumers of, of pop culture, I think we, we know quite a bit about Malcolm X. We, we have an idea of what Malcolm X is and what he stood for. I really like this movie because this was the first time I saw Malcolm X vulnerable for a sustained period of time. We've always seen him as the guy who is shouting hell on the white man. And he's, he's there, he's standing in his convictions, he knows what he's saying and he's fighting it and that's his public persona and what he's in front of cameras. But it was very, like, Malcolm X is at this point in his life where he's very close to being assassinated. And he's vulnerable for the entire course of the film. Like, there's no, there's no one point where he becomes the Malcolm X that we, we know where he's strong and everything. He's, He's in the fun. I, I thought it was very nice. It's, it's very different from the other type of Malcolm X that we've seen either in the movies or just in pop culture and like speeches and whatever. And I thought that was very, that was a very interesting reversal Choice, of portrayals yeah. of, 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 yeah, of Malcolm. And I really like that. I really like that very much. Um, How familiar are you with the actual, you know, stage play? Um, no, no, no. Well, not, nothing at all because the, the same person that wrote the stage play, Kemp Powers, also wrote the screenplay, so I think they're they're quite similar. Right, it came out in twenty thirteen, so it's one of the it's one of, it's one of the new ones. Yeah, um, this movie is set at not only a weird time for Malcolm X, it's quite literally a weird time for all of them. Like it's a weird intersection of their lives because Sam Cooke would 
be shot 10 months later mm-hmm. under very like just go anyone because i didn't know sam cook going to this movie i didn't know jim brown either because I, I don't i don't follow american yeah. football just google sam cook man like the story behind how he died is so wild so crazy like it's just so in 10 months time he will be shot um very under very suspicious circumstances malcolm x would be assassinated 12 months later Jim Brown was about two years away from retiring from football, which we see at the end of this film at his peak. Like he was, he was retiring at 30, which is like, uh, it was, mm-hmm. it was his peak. He was the best in the world and he was retiring. Um, and obviously Muhammad Ali was three years away from being stripped of his title and being sent to prison. Sent to so yeah. it's a very weird, very weird intersection of their lives. Like it's like this night probably could not have happened at any other time of their lives. Like, mm-hmm. Clashes are just one, and it's just the it champ, and it was very, very, very interesting. If anyone is a lead character in this film, I think it's I think it's Malcolm X, and he's kind of like leading the conversation. And he, I think one is that he's been mentoring Cassius Clay in Islam, as Cassius is about to become a Muslim, and I think he wants Cassius to become a Muslim and follow him into a new sect because he's trying to leave. The um, nation of Islam, yeah. because of, of Elijah Muhammad's indiscretions, and I think he would obviously want Muhammad Ali to follow him, and that's his primary objective. But he also wants to speak to his friends, Jim Brown and Sam Cooke. He believes the Sam Cooke, especially, could be doing more as black pioneers in, in the fight and in the struggle. And I believe that he believes that if they can do that and they can throw their support against him, he's like. His new sect can thrive, and so it's not 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 entirely selfish, but obviously it does a payoff. So let's talk about the, the central argument, right? Which is the role of celebrities and the privileged in the fight, mm-hmm. right? Um, your, I'm gonna. This is open to whatever opinions you have. Like, no no opinions will be will be chided. What are your opinions on that? Because that's what that's essentially what this movie is about. It's yeah. about what what role like do much, celebrities yeah, and privileged yeah. people have? What should they do? What should should we force them to do anything? It's a it's a it's a tricky one because I feel even with a certain level of contribution. Because I think there's one thing you probably need to um, that most celebrities definitely understand is that they can never make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. like everybody because people are different so each person expects a certain level of contribution or yeah contribution to whatever cause you feel they should be fighting for so some people might feel like okay you should do um you should, you should do the bare minimum and that's fine any awareness is good awareness so people might feel like you should do a bit further than that that you should provide money obviously increase awareness as well, you know, through social media posts. Some people might feel you should start charities off. So the other people might feel like, you know, just because you're getting money doing what you're doing, you're automatically a you're automatically an enemy to whatever cause I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. So some people might feel you should basically this might sound quite, you know, ridiculous, but end your career. Cause what you're doing and what you think you want to do with us these two can't coexist mm-hmm. because it's you know this this is just how, this is just how some people might you know feel at that time. So I feel like you you won't always satisfy everybody, but it's a tough one because I mean, um, celebrities do have platforms and 
what's that what's that stupid Batman phrase? With great power comes great responsibility. Jesus, that, that's not Batman. Is that you really want us to be kind of okay, that has an opinion that I'm that's Star Wars or sorry, I'm sorry, that? I was wrong. I was wrong. That's an opinion that we cannot say on this podcast. What are you talking about? Spider Man. What 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 are you talking about? Spider Man. Jesus, Uncle Ben, what is going on right now? Are you mad? <laughs> I can't remember things anymore. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's just like Say it correctly. Say it correctly. Say whose who's, who's phrase it is. Say it's the Spider-Man phrase. So what's the Spider-Man phrase um, with great power? Yes, comes... Spider-Man. That's right. The Spider-Man, not Batman. <laughs> comes so... great responsibility. But like, obviously, yeah. celebrities have this amount of power. And if if they're able to do some good with that power that they've, that mm. power and platform they've got, it's, it's great. But at the same time, you don't want to force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But it would be great if they did it. And it would mm. be it'll be, you know, if they can, if they can, can, if they go, you know, above and beyond for the exact cause, then it's just like, yes, fucking get in. Um, I don't think we have the rights to force anybody. And I'll, um, I'll, I'll talk more about that in a bit. I don't think we have the right to force anybody to just say mm-hmm. or speak up for anything. Um, economic freedom, right? So Jim Brown kind of states, he says, if you want to, if it wants us to be free, the way to that is economic freedom. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? Do you think that's bullshit? Because that is that's very, very true. Okay, I think that's well, isn't very that, true. Isn't that very against what, for example, um, Fred Hampton was saying, and that you don't fight capitalism with capitalism, you fight it, you fight it with socialism in the, in the movie we talked about earlier this week? Um, well, why can't, why can't social... Are they mutually exclusive? Or economic freedom and... and Socialism. Why can't Probably economic not. freedom? Why can't it be economic freedom for the masses? That's fair. That's fair. But well, the problem well, is that, that you're right. That and, and actually, honestly, if I'm going to, I never thought about it like that. The problem is that when people say, "Oh, economic freedom," or the way to get the black man out from under is to teach them to be economic, economically free or economically yeah, smart or whatever. Dumb. I feel like smart that, never says that. Uh, okay, no, no, yeah, because that, that is that is just capitalism in disguise. That is capitalism yeah, trying to lie someone, to you. Someone was making this point about how, and this kind of goes against it, um, this podcast and the previous podcasts we've done, but the best or the biggest obstacle in, well, this person was saying America, the biggest obstacle in America, and I guess you could say in the West, isn't race, but it's class. I I honestly hate that. I Look, I, I disagree. I'm not... Why, why, why so? I always think... And I obviously this is well is a podcast of two people talking without doing much research for speaking, but so I might be wrong. But I always see things like that as people just trying to diminish our struggle, our reasons to be angry. Mm-hmm. Right? They say it's or oh, race is not the problem; it's class. Class is a problem, but so is race. Yeah. Right. There are poor white people that are still racist and are still trying to shit on richer black people like it's yeah maybe um yeah like obviously i I disagree with them as well like they they're two big problems like it was not like we're you know having pressure olympics and stuff yeah exactly But, but like i always feel like especially in this capitalist society there's always going to be the oppressor and there's always going to be the oppressed no matter what, you know, if everyone in the Western society 
capitalist Western societies the same color, there'd always be we'd always find someone to basically put down or to But then that would be that would be on the on the basis of of class and and wealth. Yeah, but the problem the problem is that sorry, but the problem is that we're not all the same color and right now they they use the basis of race. Yeah. And then and then gender. And then maybe class. Yeah, like like obviously we're not like ranking, you know, which yeah, yeah exactly. You know, which well, and stuff, but, but, but that's the problem. That's my problem. My, my point is that those people do those people that say things that they, they are trying to rank it and they're trying to say that race is not the first one. I'm like, if we're going to rank it, race think, is the first one. Like, I don't want to play devil's advocate, even though I am. But I felt like even if you look over, you know, from just with history, mm. for example, in the in the in in the UK, it was the Irish oppressed in the uk it was like mm-hmm. was it no dogs no irish you know come to come to america obviously there were slaves all about but there was also you know anti-irish you know sentiments in, in america there was anti-italian you know discrimination there was italian discrimination in the in america as well so i've always felt like if i mean different parts of the other it's countries not just xenophobia well, so what if xenophobia was somebody's cousin? Who would it be? Racism or classism? <laughs> it's um, both. I think. Well, I think it's but racism even, first. But even in, but even in, um, uh, this is not the West, but uh, like in in different factions. Well, we had it mm. in different factions. Even in our like Nigeria, mm-hmm. we had the civil war, didn't we? Mm. But like. That's not class. That's more of that's more of tribalism. Man. That's it's tribalism, true. which again is another cousin of racism. Yeah, but um, like was it was it Cuba where yeah, these was. guys, um, Fidel Castro basically told the whole middle class to fuck off, <laughs> and they all basically they, they all went to Miami and stuff and oh, yeah. wouldn't you say that was more of like a a class? Yeah, okay, yeah. Was, I'm, not, class kind of I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that there's that there's class warfare. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue that. I'm not stupid. I'm just saying that I hate when people say it's not race, it's class, because then they're trying to invalidate the racist problems. And then, and then if let's be honest, if people started looking at class, they're like, well, it's not class, it's gender or it's opportunity or whatever. Like, they're always trying to move the goalposts. The, the oppressed, uh, well, the oppressed are always think... trying to move the goalposts. Yeah, but I think the I can't remember the exact person I was reading. I think that's what he was trying to do. I think he was trying to say, and I think anyway he put it is is still deflecting. But I think he was trying to make a bigger point on, you know, if you kind of look through years of history, that uh, there's hmm. always been a certain level of oppression towards a specific group of people, and I think the common factors through all these is these were the less these are the people who had less of the wealth mm. and these people were always you know persecuted by the people who had the majority of the, the capital and wealth in that specific I mean, look, time it's it's a weird um ancestral centipede of, of like everything is like eating its own tail in that are they are these people less privileged because they are of the less dominant race or is it vice versa or is which one comes first? Is is it like so it's I would like if I was as that I was as that person, okay, show me a period in time where the black person wasn't discriminated against, but it was only the poor people that were discriminated against, right? If you can show me that, then maybe you have a point. But like you might be like, Oh, it's always the poor, but are those poor always blacks? 
because if those poor are always black, then maybe we talk about why the blacks are always poor. Could you not say yes to that question? Especially yes in the West. Question. Yes to what question? The majority of like the poor poor people have mostly or the majority of black people have been poor, so they basically fall into that. Yeah, exactly. That's my uh, point. Yeah, so, so like, isn't that institutional racism that has made the majority of black people poor? Because, for example, they don't have the um, access to things, or when you have things like Black Wall Street, they they bomb it. Like, yeah, our great Watchmen told us about said no, no, until Watchmen. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't know about it until Watchmen. Um, look, yeah, it's. I don't want to. I'm sure people are, li- are listening. And some people think you've made some stupid points. People think I've made some stupid points. We didn't. <laughs> We didn't research anything, but we just... No, we just no, no, no. I'm just going off the bat. Yeah, we're just yeah. talking. So, like, feel free to... If you have... If you genuinely... If you have points that you think you want to discuss with us, you can message us or let us know. Like, I'm... Call me. Always... Well... Like I said earlier, I don't think anyone has the right to force someone to speak over something or to say something or to pick a side or whatever. However, what I do think is I think everyone has an obligation to speak up. I think, most importantly, I think every black person has an obligation to speak up. I, I, I don't think you should be black and apathetic to the black struggle. I, I, I don't know how you can be, but obviously that's just me. I, I think if you're black and powerful and, and famous and rich or whatever, I think you have an obligation. I don't think anyone should force you to. I don't think anyone should say why, why you're not speaking up. But I think you, I just feel like you have an obligation to. And, so, so that's an interesting point because let's take you back to 2020, you know, yeah. during all these protests where people were literally, yeah. there was actually like a militant brigade celebrity watch list on every single celebrity. Why haven't you spoken up? This is a, and I was like, okay, that's fine, fine. But when you started seeing certain celebrities who clearly didn't know what the fuck they were talking about and tweeting out some BS. Mm. And the black squares. We'll talk. We'll come to the black squares in a bit. <laughs> maybe not. Now, maybe we'll talk about come to the black squares. I don't know. I don't. I, maybe I won't talk about that. Just out of <laughs> anger. We'll see. And you know, coming out with like all these phrases where like mm. you have the right intention. Yeah. You know what you're trying to do, but I mean, wh- <laughs> I mean, why? Why did you say this? Like, yeah, this doesn't um, make any sense. I should clarify. I should clarify actually before we go too far. I don't. When I say I think every black person of of of, of means, of repute, or of wealth should speak up, I don't necessarily mean we should. I don't necessarily mean they should be leaders. I don't mean they should carry the mic and speak. I don't think everyone is Malcolm X. I don't think everyone is Martin Luther King. Exactly. I everyone, yeah. I don't think just because you're rich you become Fred Hampton. If actually I think it's the other way. I think it's the less known people that should be leading. But by speaking up, I mean you shouldn't be silent. All you need to do is, I want you to just come out and say, well, for obviously, I apologize, but we have to use this as an example because it's the most recent. Say, well, what happened to George Floyd was terrible and we need change. That's all I need from you. And obviously, and then you can start putting your money. I don't want you to lead. I don't, I don't, I'm not well, looking for you to. So what if, what if you replace, what if you replace what you've just said now? Yeah. With an Instagram caption of a black square that says nothing. No, because that's that's literally what that. I like that we've we've come back to the black square. Um, okay, that was yeah. my problem. Like people, like I have like friends and stuff who are telling me, like it's all about awareness, raising awareness. I'm like awareness mm-hmm. for racism. What fucking awareness <laughs> is for racism? But like they made some good points on how all awareness is good awareness and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, 
I was like, cool. But I think my bigger problem was like, it's giving people, cause it like, just to, let me not, let me not misconstrue what you're saying, but you have to say something, but you're kind of giving these people an easy, an kind of easy way out. Yeah. So they're not really saying, that. they're not really saying anything, hmm. but to their mind, they've done the bare minimum and which is not, yeah. which is basically nothing. Yeah. I'm sorry. You mean, um, I don't know how to put it. I like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want it to be clear. For I want like when everybody thinks about you, we know what side you're on, mm. right? We 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 can we know we're undoubtedly clear as to what. Side. There are so many black people. They don't pose to be black leaders, but we we know that when time comes, even if it's maybe you don't have an, an experience that you're going to put on Instagram as an, as a story. Maybe you don't you don't going to you're not going to go on a march and. What happened with with John Boyega during the like that was obviously impromptu. Maybe you're not going to have that kind of moment. That's fine, but we still know what side you're on because your actions. That you you speak up when somebody asks you a question. You don't say things like, "Oh well, I need to do research on race." Like back to your point on racism, you need to do research on racism to figure out what side you're on. Yeah, like is that is that necessarily what you need to do? Like, I don't know why right now the name in my head is Viola Davis because I can't tell you what she's done. Well, I know what side she's on. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I know that I can bet my mortgage that she's not going to say something stupid. <laughs> she's not going to do something coony, right? She's, she's going to be there on the front lines when, when, when it's time goes. And that's, I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain. I, I don't think, I don't think you should be a black person. And 2020 happened with George Floyd and nobody heard anything from you. Like a black celebrity who's either who's made his wealth in the last whatever years. Like, th- that, why? People mm. are literally dying in the streets. Why would you be silent? Do you not feel that there are other ways to, like you said, like actions, actions, you know, are mm-hmm. kind of louder than words. Do you not feel like some of these actions could, you know, could yeah, also... I get what you mean. So you... But actions, actions in terms of like, so because we're, we're, we're talking about actions that people don't see, so like donating to things behind, like behind yeah, the scenes and stuff like behind, that. Um, you know, running, um, supporting people, and you know, maybe supporting you know twenty black kids through university. Perfect, hundred percent perfect. But yeah, no, no, look, I think if you're doing that in the terms of like life, that's fine, right? I think what we're what we're because I think twenty twenty is probably the year that most resembles the 60s, right? The decade that these guys were going to. Or the end of the 60s, yeah. Yeah, Malcolm, Martin, Fred Hampton. So if you're doing all, like if you're doing all that, you're sponsoring black kids every, like you don't have to say it like, like Stormzy or or LeBron or whatever, right? (laughs) And that's not, that's not, that's, that's, that's not me. No, that's not me shooting for them. I love both those men. And I think, I think making your, your work known is very important because it encourages people, to, people like means to do the same and it like opens barriers and stuff like that. So, so I love those men. But I think you don't necessarily have to do it. You can do that in silence, right? But 2020 should not happen and then you stay silent. Mm. And if you're doing that from 2000, 2019, that's fine. You don't want the spotlight. You want to do well, it like, like whatever. But people have been people have been dying. I mean, there was Tammy Rice. There was yeah, oh, hundred percent people have been dying. It, it didn't start in twenty twenty. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. But I'm saying I'm 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 willing to give those guys the leeway and say, okay, just the world wasn't on fire yet. 
you can stay yeah. in, in silence. But the world should not be on fire and then you're still silent. No matter what you're doing in private, I'm sorry. Still donate your, if you're rich, donate your money, still use your money, but you, you, you've got to say something, man. Doesn't that kind of lead to the, I mean, just the Malcolm X character in this country, in, in the country, in the movie, where he's saying, he's basically implying that you have to say something. Exactly. And I was, I was literally about to just say that now, which is, and it, it's because I have the quote written down. So Malcolm X says to, to Jim Brown, no, no, sorry, not to Jim Brown, to Cassius Clay. He says, there is no room for anyone. Sorry, scratch that. He says, there is no more room for anyone. Right. And I think that more is very important because well, like he said, well, I think he said what I just said. It was like, there was room before. You could keep quiet and maybe do your little business stuff. Like Sam Cooke says, he's, he says that he's been helping black musicians. You can do that before. But right now we've we've hit a crux. We've hit a point where we need everyone on deck. Like we, we can't, it's, this is the turn, this is the crucible, this is the turning point. It's going to be before, after this moment, right? Yeah. So he says, There is no more room for anyone. Not you, not me, not Jimmy, not Sam, no one to be standing on the fence anymore. Our people are literally dying in the streets every day. Black people are dying every day. And a line has got to be drawn in the sand, Jimmy. A line that says either you stand on this side with us or you stand over on that side against us, Cash. And I, I, I believe, I believe in that brother's potential, Jimmy, too much. Too much to let him stay over on the other side. And I think that, I think that goes back to what I said earlier. We need to know where you stand. I'm not asking, I, I, actually, I'm asking the exact opposite. I do not want random black celebrities to become, to think they're Malcolm X or MLK and start giving speeches. Because inevitably they will say something stupid. I don't want that. But I want to know where you stand. I want to be sure where you stand. That's just, I, I can't put it, I don't know if I can put it in any other way. That that's just, that's what I want. Like, some, yeah. some people are blessed. Some people are blessed that they can be great athletes or great celebrities and also great thinkers or bold enough to kneel like Kaepernick like we don't like you can just do it and LeBron can just do his work and do his schools and be very vocal about his work and put that out in the face of everything and those are great men but sometimes maybe all you need to do is just show up you just need to show up sometimes and it's like yeah you just need to show up you don't need to do anything else we don't need, we don't need a speech from you we don't need <laughs> we don't need an oratory masterclass just show up and let us know what side you're on and that's it. So when we know, if there's a war, figuratively or literally, we know wh- whose back you're behind. We're not saying, oh, where is this guy going to fall? That's just talking about, for me. Are you talking about like the race, the race war that's going to happen? <laughs> race war. In 50 years, maybe? Oh my God. But yeah, that's, that, that's it for me. So um, I generally don't think, I, but I think because Malcolm X, again, not only is the country at a, at a crux, he is... Like we said, he's, this is the most vulnerable person Malcolm X. He's at a personal crisis. And he's like, we can't keep having people on the fence. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't keep, we cannot have had 2020 and you still have people on the fence about racism or about speaking about racism. People are dying still. Yeah. Speak up. That's what you're afraid of. Uh, um, I think the speaking up bit is, yes, yeah, speak up. But if you're speaking up, it's, you know, Posting a black square, then <laughs> yes. like I know, I know it's like, I'm sound like a broken record that I am, you know, repeating this thing. But at the same time, if you're 
speaking of is doing that. Mm, mm. I mean, yeah, I get what you mean. Does that show? I, I, yeah, so I get does, what you mean. Does that show that they're on, you know, on our side? In quotation mark, you, you know, Yosh, okay, I posted a black square. Does that mean I can, you know, put my two feet onto your side now? Am I part of the I mean, look, guys now? If it's, you're, it's a bit of a of a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about white involvement because I just I kind of has a kind of worms I don't want to open. But if you're a black person and your only act of quote unquote speaking up was the black square, then you're come. I can't. Yeah. You're. I. I'm not. If that's your, if that's the only thing, if they were supposed to one black square, then like, ah, yeah. Um, I think all I can say, especially in reference to like, and I think black squares in this case kind of cover empty actions. Yeah, it's empty, the whole performative. Yeah, void actions. Yeah, performative, yeah. Because that's, that's the right word. I think all we can say is that we know, and the people that didn't also know when it's not enough or when it's performative. And I, I think it's, it's obviously a case-by-case basis. We can we use the black square because we both live through that. We both experience, so we know what that kind of sound seemed like. So it's not something that we can definitely, I can say, oh, this is how to do that. This is how not. It's just a case of you know it when you see it and you know it when you're doing it. You know that this is this doesn't feel right. Yeah. If you're a black person and the only thing you said about, about, 20, about racism in 2020 was putting a black square, then you have a lot of work to do. Actually, you mentioned it a bit earlier. Let's talk about Regina King. I think she did a very good job. Yeah, it's a really good job with her. Um, I mean, are we seeing people's first movies just become better and better? Like the, the stuff directorial debuts are just good. They're just really good. Like oh, but um, I think she was just. I mean, because like you mentioned earlier on, it was like it's a play, and I mean, it's not like it's not much you can do with a play in terms of. No, it's just people talking. So mm-hmm. you know, it's just how do you move the camera? Who is blocking who? You know, is this camera facing a certain angle to this person, which is you know showing a certain level of attention? And I think the way kind of emotion changes, and you know who holds a certain power for a scene, I think it was a really good job. And I really don't understand why she wasn't. Nominated. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess the directing directing field was quite quite packed. And anyway, yeah, I mean, well, there's, some really, there's some good films as well this year. So, um, there isn't much in terms of flashy stuff. There, there are a few like tracking shots and everything, but you can tell that this is a film that was directed. You can tell the film that like um the the actors were told where to, like it, the staging was quite good. It was just a very well directed film. If that makes sense. And like they they have to use this little room as this space, and it, the way she deals with the space is quite good. Yeah, and in terms of the cast performance, I really liked all of them. Everyone seemed to like quite early on in the in the first showings of this film in, in festivals and stuff. Everyone seemed to quick like quickly pick the Leslie Odom performance as the one that they were going to give awards attention to. Um, I mean, it's fine because it's a very good performance. I liked it, but I it wasn't the one that like jumped out to me in my first watch or my second watch. I was like, okay, I got it. But like on the first watch, it wasn't the performance. I was like, oh, this is the one that's gonna be nominated for an Oscar. That makes sense. But, like, I think all four are really good. I think... Do you feel like the singing played a part into... Probably. Because I think... What I do think... Sing and act, or if you can act in two different languages, you're getting an Oscar straight away. Yeah. I think what I do think is that, apart from the singing, I think everyone else... Leslie has the benefit that this is the first film portrayal of Sam Cooke. Right. So, so no, there, is, there, is, there is Malcolm X. There's Denzel's Malcolm X, right? And I'm not, I don't think Kingsley Benadir is 
worse. I don't think he's doing so. I think he's, he's a different performance and I think it's quite good. So there's also Will Smith's Ali. But there's also Ali. There's also, we, we know who Muhammad Ali was. Like he was, he was basically a movie star in the yeah, ring, right? He was like an actor like on his own, yeah. wasn't he? And then Jim Brown himself became an actor. So like all these guys, we kind of, not for me at least, but like for Americans of a certain age, they, they know Jim Brown as an actor, right? So there is really? history and you know what you're comparing him to. But Sam Cooke, no one really, apart from hearing his music, no one had a film portrayal of him. So I think, I think Leslie might benefit from that. Like there was no real thing to compare. Him. But you're right. I think the singing definitely helps. And like, if you're going to do Sam Cooke and you do it well, like it's like if you do Ray Charles well, then we're gonna take notice. Because that was his voice, right? That was yeah, he was singing. He was singing. he wasn't lip syncing. Most of the time when you see when people sing in movies, it's it's all lip synced. Yeah, apart from when Rami Malek won for lip syncing. Don't even meanwhile Bradley Cooper lost from for actually singing. I don't even want to get into that. But um yeah, no, I think you're right. The singing probably definitely played a part. I really like I Really like Aldis Hodges' performance with Jim Brown. It's very quiet and just very in him. And it's like very, almost like regal. The performance is just like the big brother. Yeah, I think that's kind of how Jim Brown was. He had this kind of paternal. I remember like, you know, listening to just boxing podcasts, like he was quite, you know, he always used to compliment people all the time and he's doing this. But um, what do you think of... um, Muhammad Ali. Um, I have the thing. I like the performance, right? Well, I know there are people that have a different kind of ear and eye that are like, oh, this is bordering on an SNL impersonation or whatever. I I like the performance. I think he did I, well. I think I like I think I I thought he was the second best. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really good in performance. I think he was really good in performance. Wait, who was your best? Leslie. Um yeah. Oh, okay. So where where did you have? So you had Malcolm third. These were all these were all good. All, were all good performances. All good performances. All good performances. None of them were like terrible. I'm just like if I had to rank. Yeah. In my, I think in my fantasy um, Oscar nominations where there's no number limit. I think I probably have Kingsley Benadire in best lead actor, and then have Eli Gori as. So and maybe Ezley as well. Maybe both of them. Oh, best wow. of I don't know. I just liked all of them. I liked. I thought it was very good acting, man. I just liked all of them. And I think I liked all of them. Um, he definitely got the voice and the face of of Muhammad the Voice. Ali. He got the voice really well. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, but I think it's a really good film. I think now um, this movie is obviously limited for three Oscars. We can argue about whether it deserved more or not. I mean, I think we know our opinion. We know kind of which. I I think definitely should have got the best picture nomination. But uh, so it's nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for Ken Powers, adapted from his play, from his stage play, Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actor for Leslie Odom Jr., and Best mm-hmm. Original Song for Leslie Odom Jr. and Sam Ashworth. Um, it's not winning Best Supporting Actor. I think we, we know that for sure. Nope. Adapted Screenplay, ah, again, I don't know. It could be that, it could be Nomadland, God knows. But Best Original Song, so like you said in our in our earlier podcast, maybe, maybe he wins that for best support, best original song. I don't know. If he wins, if Leslie Odom Jr. wins this, I think that would mean he would have got a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So just an Emmy left for an EGOT. Obviously, he got the Grammy and the Tony from his work on Hamilton. Hmm. Do you have any final thoughts on the film? Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Jenny King is brilliant. 
all the actors are brilliant. I like the music, just like mm-hmm. the whole um, soul jazz kind of you know, track list as well. Um, yeah, go watch One Night in Miami. It's on Amazon Prime. Go watch One Night in Miami. Um, this has been our 1960s week. We've spoken about One Night in Miami, and earlier in the week we spoke about Judas and Black Messiah. Please go listen to that if you haven't. Please watch both movies. These movies are really good and just really interesting. Portray black icons by black cast and black producing teams and everything. Just go watch the movies. Those activists ain't too squat about them four little girls that got bombed in Alabama. That's why they're preaching to a deaf congregation because they ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? What you have, but take for granted. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. So do I. Mommy. So do they. Power just means a world where we're safe to be ourselves. Mm. To look like we want. To think like we want. Without having to answer to anybody for it. Now, after all we put in, don't black folks deserve that much? So, Invincible. I think we're both recording this at a point where neither of us has seen episode four. Um, I knew I liked the show four minutes into the show. So, mm. I obviously, I, I knew there was a show coming out, Invincible, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead. And I knew Steven Yeun was, was voicing the main character. I was like, okay, I'll probably check it out. And I think they released like a short clip like two weeks before the premiere. So, it's literally from when mark um is eating cereal in the morning to the moment where he gets his powers like when he throws the trash bag into the sky and i watched that on twitter whatever they released it and i was like oh okay um i'm gonna like this show i'm just it's gonna be a good show i didn't i didn't know it was anything different than what was normal i'm gonna like this show and then i watch i start watching the show when it comes out and then like i think the first four minutes is just focused on these two security guards yeah yeah and i'm like this is just so different from every other thing that we've watched about superheroes. Like, he goes on, we find out so much about this one security guard. I was so sure that he was going to die. Yeah. I I'm like still, it. I still believe he's going to die eventually, like sometime in, in this show. Because he and cheered there as well in one of the episodes. Yeah. Because, right? and then in, you go and you're like, I'm like, I know this voice. And I check extra and it's, it's John Hamm. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is incredible. And then gonna, he goes into this monologue about his yeah. son. And I'm like, this is so good. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm I was, involved. I was going to say, like, I love that this show is on Prime just because of X-Ray. Because, like, I find myself, like, I know that voice. I know that voice. And I'm pausing. And that's, like, that's another thing, through. man. I just love that. So the, voice, the voice cast is incredible. It's, like, it's the best use of Jeff Bezos' money since maybe same-day delivery. So we're talking about voice cast is Steven Yeun as Mark. Sandra Oh as his mother, J.K. Simmons as his father, um, Nolan Grayson, Omni-Man. Then, the Guardians of the Globe are essentially just all Walking Dead stars. Right, so Lauren yeah. Cohan, Maggie, is War Woman. Sonny Quinn Martin-Green is Green Ghost. Charlie L. Coleman, Martian Man, 
Michael Kudlitz, Red Rush, Lenny James, Ross McClan. Like it's just like Zachary Quinto is in this is in the show. Jillian yeah. Jacobs, who you might know, people might know as um, Britta from um, Community, is Eve. Um, our babe, our constant favorite, Zassi Beats, is yep. on the show. As Amber, JC Manzukas is Rex Sloan. Like it's just like it's all like I'm just like I, how know, did you, you get everybody you know, here? You know how you even know like that is so crazy is that like when you start looking at those guys like playing Guardians of the Globe, for example. Mm-hmm. I never watched Walking Dead, but I know those guys from different things. You know, Lauren Cohen is Martha from Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, uh, Chadwick Coleman was on Arrow. Uh, Ross Marquand was Red Skull in yeah. Infinity War. Yeah, you know, this so, one and Endgame and Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, so so it's just like you know those guys from so many other things, and it's just like you know, it's just I. I also like immediately I saw the Guardians of the Globe. I I think I put out a tweet because I was just like you know this is another sort of riff on the Justice League, but I love it because yeah. this is like, it just, I mean, just gave me the vibe of the every, boys. Every, exactly. Every superhero team would be a riff on the Justice League because, on, first of all, on one hand, yeah, it makes so much sense to riff on Justice League because like, it's good comedic material. On the other hand, there are only so many superpowers in the world. Like, there are only so many things we can create as superpowers. Like, eventually they're going to be like Justice League. So why not just really go in and be like, this guy's actually from Mars as well instead yeah. of trying to be different. Also, I've not finished. Heard this show. It's Clancy Brown. He's Clancy yes. Brown. Like you know that voice, right? I it just, has... I just heard it, and I love his character as well. Mark Hamill as the guy that makes the suits. Um, Art Art Rosenbaum. Yeah, yeah. Ezra Miller is on the show. Nicole Byers on the show. Jonathan Groff is on the show. It's ridiculous. Oscar two-time Oscar winner Mahashala Ali appeared on this show for like five minutes. Like. I Oh, he's the guy that um, helps these um, the criminals that's made of rock. Oh, wow, bro! The amount of times I pressed X-ray on this <laughs> in this first three episodes, I was like, "How are you guys getting money to pay for these guys?" It's like um, even classic like voice actors. So you mentioned Mark Hamill. Um, even the uh, what they call the Muller twins were voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Mm-hmm. If you've watched any cartoon, you've probably heard his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, he's played like the Joker. He's played. There's just so many different characters. It's played on literally every cartoon. You just know that voice. And it's just like, you know, like every voice was just, you know, pause, x-ray, pause, x-ray. Like, what's going on? And I was just like, oh, this is... And everyone just smashes it out. Like, it's not a case of like, when I see Mark, I'm not just thinking Stephen Yeun. I'm just... I'm still into the character. You yeah, know? because they are... We know their names because they are great actors. And that is what... That they're acting. Like, they're not just coming to, to say lines. It's like, it's when you so see... Good. Woody from Toy Story, you don't just think Tom Hanks. No, because he's acting. Like, he's yeah. acting as Woody. And it's just... Anyway, Um, so... Lovely. I think we've gone so long without even talking about what the show is about. <laughs> so, the show is about Mark Grayson, who is basically a teenager who is half from an alien species. His dad is... um, so vitromite. Vitromite. Yeah, his dad is a vitromite. And his mom is human. And he's meant to have got his powers by now, but he hasn't. So, that's a bit of anxiety. Um, His dad is like... The Superman of the world is kind of like Omni Man. He's he's the guy. He's the superhero. He's the biggest like superhero celebrity. And that's all I'm gonna say because I don't want to give spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's a have we have we said any spoilers already? I don't think we have. Have we? We might as well do spoilers. <laughs> it's fearless. Okay, okay. The end of that first episode, I was like, "What am oh. I watching here?" 
what is this? This is this is like G Omni Man Slaughter. So I was like, oh my god. That was that was insane because it just kept escalating, man. Like I need to even rewatch it. Like from oh, smashing from smashing Red Rush's um head in, you know, to who was it that I think he took out like a bit of their bone and then hit it on it. It's just all sorts yeah, of massacre. He, by Pierce Green Ghost, I think her name is he pierced yeah. out, like yeah, it's just he sliced off um, um Immortal's head. It's just it was just I was just like, Oh my god. It's just like it snaps a woman's head in it. It's just like I'm. I'm thinking that maybe because now that his son has powers, he's seen uh-huh. as like now it's time for him and his son to take control of the planet. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, so, that, so yeah, I I think it's something like that. So I think it's been a case of yeah, he never joined the Guardians of the Globe and everything, but I think he just thought you know his son's trying to come into his own, you know, and his son was always talking about like what's going to make him stand out. And his dad is going right. This is. It's for, I'd like to think of it as a riff of things that the mutants say online. You know, the superhero fatigue and superhero saturation. So it's like mm. you know, clearing the way. <laughs> and he just oh, so you think way. you think he did it just so his son has a way to become a superhero? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, so he, you think he did it as like as a fatherly as a fatherly thing? I think I think it's no coincidence that he's waited all these years. So you think it's his version of like. You know when you're learning to ride the bicycle and your father is holding you and then he lets you, yeah. he lets go. So you think, oh, I just think that the plan for Vitromites is that they go to another country, they mate with somebody, or maybe it's just his plan. And then when their son starts getting his powers or their child starts getting powers, then they take, like they wipe out any guardians that planet might have and then they become like, so it's their way of ruling the planet because if, if there are two Omni-Men, who's going to, nobody like, and, and your, your heroes are dead. Then you just you follow what Omni Man says. Yeah. So the reason I don't think that is that mm, I just feel like if he was doing that, he'd wipe out all of them. <laughs> like you know, they're still. But he did. No, they're still their bootleg T Titans. Yeah, so. but like um, he, he's like he doesn't care. You're not gonna like if <laughs> if Omni Man and Invincible were like we're in charge now. Is it Teen Titans yeah. gonna be like? No, you're not. Like. <laughs> He I don't know if start calling them Teen Titans. <laughs> I think he genuinely felt like the guns of the globe were a threat. Because they were. They looked like they really did get to him. But think about it. Like, how much of a threat are they if he can batter them alone? Yeah, but look at how stressful it was for him, though. Because again, he's like, alone. He he them alone. Yeah, but he doesn't have a team. He's alone. And like, again, he surprised them. We don't know what happened if they knew. Like, they were like, oh, let's go fight Omni-Man. Mm. You get to, because he almost died... Even though it was a surprise, I, mean, I don't know. I, th- uh, I think, yeah, I think it's more for his son, just based on the fact that he could have, he could have still bided his time a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a case of like it had to happen immediately because his son was still learning, he wasn't ready, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I, I felt like I, I, my, you know, instinct was like he's trying to give his son the best platform possible to, you know, because if you see like they were trying to recruit a new Guardians of the Globe team, suddenly his son was kind of in the mix. And he was just kind of watching from afar and everything. Um, but yeah, like... I like this is how your version... This is your version of, like, my father gave me a small $10,000 loan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, this, is the- Nep- this is my version of nepotism-ish. <laughs> it's like, he took out the competition. <laughs> I don't know if it's on purpose, but, like, there's a new sort of distinct... Uh, comic book show we're getting from Amazon because I got a real vibe of the boys from this. 
And J.K. Simmons is just amazing as um, Omni-Mind, which is, you know, he's just amazing in general, to be honest. You know, he can't do any wrong. <laughs> Honestly, he's just so good. And then, yeah, I just like that the show, I think, you know, we're getting to the point with comic book shows now where they trust the audience a bit more and they just give you a world and you can they can kind of trust you to accept it. You know, we're not mm-hmm. seeing an Omni-Man origin story. We're not seeing how people got powers in this world. You know, we're dropped in and there's like, you know, in like the first three episodes, I think it won't be an understatement. Say we see like 15 superheroes, mm-hmm. you know, especially when if we start counting like the recruiting scenes as well. We see like 15, 16 superheroes. And the funny thing about this show is, is that you can relate everyone's powers to something you've seen before. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, okay, that's their Ant-Man. Oh, okay, that's their Wasp. Oh, okay, that's their Flash. That's their, you know, immediately I saw Darkwing. I was like, oh, Batman. You know, like, just like that. Yeah, I mean, just, so I, don't, I don't think they're making, I don't think they're trying to to hide it. That's, that's the point. I, I don't think they need to. I think, look, Justice League, I mean, yes, it's what, 50s, 60s, whatever, 40s, like, yeah, any superhero team will be a riff on that. It doesn't matter. It's a different story. Um, I was going to say, as usual, with all these things, there's always a, there's always a Aquaman riff. <laughs> they always make the Aquaman copy shocking. <laughs> but it's just so funny oh, yeah. seeing the guy Aquaman, living like, such always... a boring life, just like, mm. and then the alarm goes, I find some action. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> but he does. Um... Oh, we're, th- we're thankful for Momoa. Post Momoa, I don't think, I think those jokes have reduced a little bit, but. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, we're going to talk more about the show. After it, so we're gonna talk about it when it finishes. We'll have we'll have to get more real estate to, to that when it finishes. I think I think it's gonna be a good season. I'm excited for the show. The cast alone is just like good enough to keep me to give me to give me interested, entertained, and I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens between the um, love triangle mm-hmm. with Mark, Mark Sassy Beats and I love how you just call her Sassy and Eve. <laughs> she's Zassy Beats. I don't know. She's Zassy Beats. Does she just yeah, like, you think her character has a name? Not to me. Um, but yeah, I really like Invincible. You know, it's just it, it, a lot of it is familiar. You know, the origin story. You've got your. I get a lot of like Spider Man energy from Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's 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 still got that little fresh spin in it. You know, stuff like he figured out who Eve was immediately in school. You know, and they have that little bit of camaraderie. You know. Um, even like just the stuff of we need to talk about what's in Goggins' character in this show. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it took me this long to mention. Yeah, I'll actually just think uh, I was have I mentioned have I not mentioned Walton Goggins, yeah. Yeah, so Cecil Stedman. And he's just like he's just he 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 reminds me of um Amanda Waller quite a bit. Mm-hmm. In the sense of like he doesn't give a crap um uh, about you know all these superpowered people and they just answer to him kind of thing. And he just carries himself so well. And I just love him. Um, does he have power? It looks like he has powers, right? He doesn't, as far as we know so well, he far. He was teleporting, wasn't he? Uh, that's supposed to be tech, apparently. Because oh, okay. his assistant was doing that as well when they went to that big monster that fought Omni-Man or something like that. So, what was the assistant's name? He had one of them proper like office names, like Dwight or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was he was really good as well, and Clancy Brown's character as well is really good. Um, the detective, yeah, um, Damien Darkblood, which Damien yeah. Darkblood, Demon Detective, D D D D. What a complimentary card that would be. Four <laughs> Ds, <40s. laughs> but yeah, 
you know that that character is good as well even like the fact that you know he's on the trail of the mystery mm. and he pretty much has it figured out but i think he's just looking for a confession or something yeah he just keeps saying like because it's, no it's a big accusation to make it's like since Superman yeah. killed the justice league like you have to prove it before you say it yeah and obviously he has like no repetition kind of thing like the way they treat him is just like you know like well, the Goggins is telling him to get out of there. And I'm like, what power do you have with this demon? And you just tell him to get out. Hint he's getting out. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So if, I, so, if I send you back to hell myself. <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, he just has no reputation. So he's just trying not to say it yet. But you can see he got Omni-Man to crack when he was like, oh, you know, I've never seen you beaten up like that before kind of thing. And you can see his toxic masculinity rising. Like, <laughs> Like, he's about to say, I, no one beat me up. I beat them up and just snitch on himself. But he just kept fighting it. I, I love that. And I love that animation has come towards, come so much, like, into the future. The fact that we can really see, like, what we see, like, facial acting pretty much in animated characters now. And it's not just about the voice. So mm. I really love that we got the facials there and things like that. But, yeah, I was re- I'm really enjoying the show. Um, Zachary Quinto's character, Robot, is building a new Guardians of the Globe. You know, and then he's releasing, you know, uh, villains at the end. Yeah, Yeah, he's releasing villains at the end. I imagine to kind of like do the standard thing of like get his team together kind of thing. And it's like, you know, like everybody's sort of operating in a shade of gray, except maybe Invincible himself and, you know, a few other people. You know, everybody's just kind of skirting that line of like, Mm. you know, hero, villain, you know, what's really happening. I really love Sandra Oh. the, the conversation you know um she has with mark mm-hmm. um just you know about like you know yeah we used to be just me and you but now it's your dad and you because you've got your powers but you know your mom's always here kind of thing i really you know appreciated that um you know even though, and i love the battle between them it's like you know i just want to be like my regular boring mom you know things like that I just yeah i think those are the things that really sort of ground the show like this because you want to care about these people. You want to care about their stakes mm. before you get into the bombastic, you know, action, action, action and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was really, because I think that relationship is also going to inform what we find out with Omni-Man kind of thing. Yeah, because uh, obviously Mark is inevitably going to find out about it and yeah. he need to pick his side. And I think... Exactly. Because his mom is already having, like she's already having some quizzical looks like what is going on. You're weird. Yeah. You're saying yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so that's that's gonna be really excited. I'm gonna go watch the fourth episode. Same. And on that note, Obira, I bid you adieu. Let's get out of here. Um yeah, man. Hope you guys have a good rest of the week and a good weekend. And then we'll be back we'll be back on Monday. Obira, anything else? Stay safe, stay in, and stay woke, everybody. Do that, do that. And if you listen on the podcast app that allows you, especially Apple Music, please rate and review. And then if you haven't already, please follow and subscribe. Shout out to, a final shout out to my co-host, Obira Georgi Fiacho. Shout out to Ibuka Namani and Chinedu Iheji, our producers. Boys. And yeah, thank you to Mano Paisogiji for joining us to talk about Invincible. Shout out to you guys, man. Thank you for still listening to us and still coming back to every episode. Um, yes yeah, i don't know why but yeah tell your friends about the podcast and we'll be back next week when hopefully we'll be joined by john boyega or daniel kaluuya we'll see bye guys bye